The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. And TheGorillaPosition.com, telling the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Welcome to another episode of Turnbuckle Talk, powered by thegorillaposition.com and a proud part of the Roar Network. And we are presented by the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. We're sponsored by collarandelbowbrand.com, where you can get 10% off when you use promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout. We are in partnership with HypeCityVapors.com, where you can get 15% off all your e-juice for your vape by using promo code JKPODCAST. And please welcome our newest sponsor, Silly Rabbit Vape Shop, located in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Mention Turnbuckle Talk when you go into the store for a discount on all your vape juice and hardware. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at TBTalkPod. Make sure you listen to us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, CastBox, and all those other podcatchers out there. As always, I'm Carl Carafel. And I'm Big Joe. And this week, we are also blessed by the presence of host from the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, Michael Jargo. Welcome back, sir. I'm on the air with my two favorite Canadians on Canada Day. I'm so excited, and I actually don't have to go to work tonight, which makes it even freaking better. Oh, Canada, one day you will be a state. No, that's not going to happen. We are proud to be not part of the United States. As well, you should be. Yes. Well, the way that our government is, I sometimes... Wouldn't mind being part of the United States. Yeah, well, bite your tongue. Yeah, we do have a bit bite of a your tongue. We do have a bit of a fool running the country here, but <laughs> I digress. All right, guys. So another week has come and gone in the world of professional wrestling. Here now, a bit of time has passed since this happened. But I figured we'd uh, come back on here and talk about this. And since we have Jargo here this week, I figured it'd be a good opportunity to, because uh, stopping grounds that happened recently. For those of you following me on social media, are well aware that I did not watch that show, and thankfully, I actually had the chance to sit down and watch me some Wrestle Circus for the first time. And guys, I really enjoyed it, and it was highlighted by Scorpio Sky versus Tessa Blanchard in a really awesome match and another really cool thing that i dig what they did with this show was the use of the intermission halfway through really really like that approach so what would you think on the uh, the whole use of intermission carl what's your opinion on that intermissions are an amazing thing it's something that's been done for a very very long time even taking a look back uh you know wwe days maybe you know two three years ago uh, the Divas, the piss break match. They were the <laughs> opportunity for you to go have bread, go and make yourself a sandwich. I mean, you could even cook a whole chicken before you know the Divas were 
uh, finally done with their bull crap. And then you were able to watch, you know, the wrestling again. Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely times have changed when it comes to the female wrestling in the WWE. But it's like a high class type of independent show. Every independent show that I've ever been to, there's always been an intermission. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is phenomenal. I really enjoy intermission, man. Uh, they, they've been done it in, in New Japan basically forever. Um, and when, when people are first asking me, like for the G1 coming up, there will be an intermission for most of these shows. And what you'll see is you'll have all the undercard stuff before intermission, and then you'll have all the tournament matches after intermission. So when people are asking me, like Jargo, how do you watch, you know, twenty shows in twenty-five days? That's what you do. You just start after the intermission. So that way you catch everything that's important. Um, I, I, I much prefer when everything comes to a stop, uh, like like in between bands. So I can like go and maybe hit the yeah. bathroom, make myself a sandwich, whatever. You know, like bands have that luxury. Wrestling always had that luxury. I think it's just like really the evolution of TV that we just kind of did away with intermissions. And I would love I'm right with, with you. I'd love to see it come back. Yeah, it'll be interesting, you know, given that, uh, you know, we're possibly seeing some changes with WWE television and whatnot. And I mean, even with, you know, you had mentioned this uh, on your show, Jargo, that uh, Wrestle Kingdom is going to be two days, correct now? Yeah. So it's going to be the fourth and fifth. There's not going to be a New Year's Dash in 2020. Yeah. You know, and there's even a rumor that WrestleMania could become uh, more than a one day event there. So. You know, I think that, you know, the, <laughs> I can already see some head shaking going on with two days of WrestleMania. I mean, uh, oh man, that's going to be uh, just painful. Hopefully not. But, you know, there, there's an opportunity to use that intermission break just so that, you know, there's no opportunity. You know, there, there shouldn't be this thing, like Carl said, the piss break match. It, it's sad that there has to be something. That's what, you know, even just for the bathroom, it's like, well, you know, I got to get up to something. It's like, okay, so what match do I want to miss so that I can go get some relief? You know, but now hasn't that kind of become the tag team division now? Like they started yeah. pushing the women's division yeah. and now the tag team division is the piss break match. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's either for me, it's either the tag team or, unfortunately, I mean, these guys are phenomenal, but unfortunately, the 205 Live stuff has really become that for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll see what uh, what comes with that. Uh, you know, Russell Circus, uh, again, with on that show, you know, there's some, some great stuff there. You know, even... Uh, as I mentioned, I've become a fan of this guy, Orange Cassidy, getting there doing his thing. Uh, I, I'm still digging that. I know both of you guys don't like him. I don't care. I still like Orange, me some Orange Cassidy. So I ain't going to fight you. <laughs> I just wish somebody would break his damn sunglasses. <laughs> well, it'll happen at some point. It just a matter of who it was going to be. Like, how, is, how has nobody thought of this? I know, right? Uh, you know, like, just break his damn glasses. Yeah. Well, in, in the background, actually, uh, Monday Night Raw is happening as we're recording the program this week. Uh, I see that there's something kind of distasteful happening, so we're just going to pretend like that's not happening because Lacey Evans is in the ring at the moment. So let's uh, actually talk about the, the, the kind of the main event for the episode here, Fighter Fest, AEW. This show, there's some good, I think, and, and some bad to go along with this, guys. What did you think, uh, kind of just in general, before we get into the details? Go ahead, Carl. Myself, I've been working a nonstop for the last four and a half days with a 
Putin Fest. If you guys do not know what that is, go and look it up. P-O-U-T-I-N-E. We had this huge festival going on here for four days. So I have not had an opportunity to actually sit down and watch the entire show. But I was graciously given a little highlight package. Mm -hmm. And from what I saw, I'm okay with most of it. There are some things that I was kind of going, what the hell is this? (laughs) But for the majority, from what I could see, it looks like it was a very decent show. And as another Canadian, uh, I just have to to say something. That it's pronounced poutine. The way you said it, it was I almost felt like we were. Um, it almost sounded like the Russian version, or it sounded like you said Putin. I was going to say, man, we, we have Putin Fest in the United Putin States. Fest. It's called CNN. They're talking about it nonstop. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to correct you. You need to go and do your research. It is not poutine. There yeah. is no teen. It is putin. Either putin. Or Putin, yeah, one or the other. I know, and I'm French, Putin. and I should know that, yeah. <laughs> Vladimir. Yeah. <laughs> right, Vladimir. <laughs> we had a Vladfest. Yeah. Go to Vladfest. Vladfest. Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. You're going to have, like, freaking emo kids dressed as Dracula showing up, thinking mm-hmm. that it's like a vampire <laughs> convention. <laughs> Oh, well, let's break through this card here, guys. Let's start off um, on, on the pre-show, as they refer to it as the buy-in. I like that using of that term because the, the pre-show thing has kind of been, I don't know, it's almost kind of a frowned upon term because the WWE pre-shows tend to kind of suck. So, um, yeah, I like the buy-in premise. Well, I, I, I think I need to correct you uh, on behalf of uh, my, my favorite Huckleberry. Uh, the WWE doesn't have pre-shows. They have kickoff shows oh, because there is absolutely a negative connotation to calling it a pre-show. Yeah. I think kickoff, I think football. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I agree with you. D- AEW absolutely has to figure out how to do these pre-shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I were talking about this off the air. All over show. the place, yeah. Um, it, it's... There was nothing that happened on the pre-show, regardless of how good any of it might have been, that would sell you on the main card. Mm -hmm. And that's a bad pre-show. Yeah. This just felt like another half hour of the show that they called something else that didn't have Jim Ross on commentary. Yeah. Well, there was something that that, uh, I... Marked out on, but we'll, we'll get we'll get to that one. Uh, the, the first one we had a tag team match with uh, the best the uh, sorry the best friends, which is of course Chucky e. T and Tramperetta uh, versus SoCal Uncensored and Private Party. Um, a really good solid tag team match. Private Party, those guys are fun as hell to watch. I don't know about you guys. Carl, Enter- if you haven't seen this match, I, I recommend that you check this match <laughs> out because this match is almost perfect. Oh, yeah. And, and I say that in the respect that you have SCU, who are legends that don't necessarily need a win. No. You have Private Party, who absolutely got themselves over in a loss. Mm-hmm. And you have the best friends who win the match and thus advance to all out to face off with another tag team for a bye inside of the tag team tournament. So like all three of these teams benefited inside of one match. It was almost perfect. Wow. Yeah. I've I've been able to talk to some friends um, while I was at work uh, who are wrestling fans mm-hmm. as well, and they have all told me that yes, this match and another match, and I'll uh, let you guys know which one that was when we get to it. <laughs> yep. but yes, I was told that this one I definitely needed to check out mm-hmm. for uh, the, the second 
match here on uh, on the buy-in, we had Ali versus probably one of my favorite female professional wrestlers uh, at the moment, Leva Bates in that librarian role. I popped pretty hard for that character. Me like he's some Leva Bates. I'll just say that right now. Yeah, she can shush me whenever she wants to. <clears throat> uh, you know what? I'm I'm super happy that you know they did this whole we want a librarian. We have a librarian gimmick that's available. Who wants this this gimmick and mm-hmm. blah blah blah? And they took both of them. They took both of them yep. instead of just going. Oh no, we're just going to use the cute check. No, they took both of them, and they're both the librarian. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I yeah. love that. Yeah, you'll, you'll probably be hearing more about her from me. Like, is this over on the Hitting the Marks Processing podcast? Rick Vickery has his Sharsher. I have my librarian. Just saying. Good old blue pants. Yep. Um, this match was a little weird for me because blue pants wasn't supposed to be in this match. No, uh, it, it was supposed to be Kylie Ray yeah. in this match. Uh, and it's so I'm, I'm not, it was, or no, I'm sorry. It was supposed to be blue pants versus Kylie Ray. That's and they right. took Kylie out and put Allie in. Mm-hmm. So it, I, I, I guess to me, the bigger question here is what are we doing with Allie? Because yeah. inside of Impact Wrestling, you had all of this backstory and you have the whole like dark bunny thing and people get it, but you can't bring any of that to AEW. So what the hell do you do with Allie? Yeah, that's the, the confusing part for sure. And, and it kind of tells the story of this whole buy-in situation. So yeah. like we're just, we're, we're, we're trying a bunch of things here. And uh, like I said, talking to you earlier, um, off air Jargo, I just, I, th- I think we're still in this kind of just testing and feeling out kind of phase. And if this was WWE, I would be heavily criticizing them for this stuff, but because everything is so new here, I- I'm willing to give them the pass for now because we're, we're just, we're still feeling out the territory here. So I, but, I'm not going to be too quick to judge. there is a pattern now between all in and double or nothing and fighter fest. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're over three when it comes to a pre-show. Yeah. Just got to figure it out, you know, yeah. or just not do it. Right. I mean, yeah. if you want to do like this stuff on a pre-show, that's fine, yeah. but you need, need to tease what the hell is going to be coming up on the main card. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the whole idea is to get people who are watching this on YouTube to mm-hmm. go out of their way, to go to bleacher report live, which is something that they've never heard of, mm-hmm. go through a two and a half minute process to sign up for a free account. And yeah. Now they've got my email address and all this other crap to watch the main card. Right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the idea. It's a free show, but you still got to register for it you got to sell the main card and they didn't do anything to sell the main card, regardless of whatever happened on the show. And most notably this, the last match for this buy in here, we had uh, Nakazawa versus Alex Jabela, which of course is CAO of the the whole fire fast thing here. And, um, I mean, as interesting as, uh, you know, a few of the kind of the spots in the match were, I don't think it was necessarily poorly executed, per se, but I mean, it just, it had no business. It should have been maybe just like a dark match. I don't think that it should have been recorded or televised or broadcasted whatsoever. Yeah. If you wanted to put it out on the YouTube, yeah. it's like a YouTube exclusive, something like that. Cool. But yeah, yeah, it had no business being on the broadcast. Yeah. I'm perfectly fine with the first two matches given what they were, but that one was definitely the oddball. I mean, not cause that was fun to watch, but versus a non wrestler, 
you know, and it, it was strange. 10 minutes. Yeah. In that 10 minutes, you could have showed me three or four video packages for yep. the th- three yep. kind of like a three headed main event that they had yep. going on for this show yep. to get me invested to actually watch the main card. I would have, re- I would have preferred the whole pre-show just be video packages. I'd be perfectly fine with that. What, what do you think, Carl? What's your, what's your take on the pre-show kind of situation? Well, first, I want to touch on that third matchup. Um, Mm -hmm. First, who is that person? And second, why is he even inside of a wrestling ring at this point? That's a great question. That's a great question, and it was not explained. Right? It was not. I could explain it to you, uh, but they did not explain it on the broadcast. Bingo. Uh, Alex, Alex J. Bailey is the CEO of CEO Gaming, which is the convention where this show was being held. Mm-hmm. If they would have like actually on the pre-show told us what is CEO Gaming, take mm-hmm. us around the convention, Context. show us some of the events going on, so maybe that you're somehow connected to it, but they didn't do any of that. This actually mm-hmm. goes back a year, because last year, Kenny Omega ran a New Japan event at CEO Gaming, yep. and Michael Nakazawa lost to Alex J. Bailey. So this is actually two years in a row this match has happened. Now they're one and one. Guarantee you this match is going to happen again next year. Yeah, there'll be a rubber match somewhere at some point, obviously. So but, so now the CEO of CEO is yeah. actually a professional wrestler? No, no he's not. No, he is not a trained professional wrestler. No. He's had two matches. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, think of him as uh, sort of the guy that wants to be like Shane McMahon, but has like the training of, say, um, you know, the guy from Arrow. That maybe that much training. It's like when Vince Russo would get in the ring, or yeah, Eric Bischoff get in the ring. Uh, Jim Ross had a match in the ring. You know, it, yeah. it was. It's very much along I, those lines. It's just awful like it. stuff. I don't like the, the, these non wrestlers getting involved in matches. I don't like it. <laughs> for the most part, there's like one percent of them out there that I can kind of take, but these guys getting involved, I mean, it just and it didn't add, and if, like you said, it didn't hook anybody into the main show whatsoever. But if you want to do this as a dark match for the CEO nerds in attendance, sure, yeah, I understand it, just yeah. don't put it on the broadcast, yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. All right, let's get to the main card now. Some good stuff to kick things off here. A uh, match with uh, Seema versus Christopher Daniels. Like I mentioned before, you know, Christopher Daniels, uh, damn near 50 years old now, still going strong. And uh, Seema, uh, or Shima, I think is the way he pronounces his name, uh, one of these guys from uh, from over in China. I mean, fantastic. Both guys look excellent. And uh, you know, Shima getting the win over Christopher Daniels, that was huge. And Shima's going to face Kenny Omega at Fight for the Fallen. So this was absolutely the right booking. You keep him looking strong going into that matchup against Kenny Omega. He he looks legit. He looks Mm -hmm. like a a real threat to Kenny. I'm looking forward to that matchup a lot. Shima's been around forever. He was in WCW, for God's sake. Yeah. Yep. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Anytime that anybody steps inside of the ring with Christopher Daniels, it is 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. And Christopher Daniels is putting them over. And this was his first singles match in like a year and a half. He looked great in this matchup for being his first singles match in that long. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Then going from that... To a three-way women's match here, we had Riho versus Yuka Sakazaki. I don't know if I said that correctly. You nailed it, man. Awesome. And uh, Nyla Rose. This match didn't do a whole lot for me, to be perfectly honest with you. 
my five-year-old loves Yuka Sakazaki. She looks something like something straight out of like Final Fantasy Warriors or something. video game yeah. or like any anime that you've ever seen yeah. in your life. Yeah. Uh, Riho looks like a older version of Kairi Sane. Mm-hmm. And then you have Nyla Rose who's in there with two Joshis trying to keep up. Yeah. And I, I don't necessarily feel like that's necessarily fair to Nyla Rose to really judge her because, you know, on the independent scene, She's yeah. she's working a more Nia Jax like style, mm-hmm. and then you throw her in there with Joshi girls in her first two matches. I mean, like, yeah, how much do I really know about her at this point? Yeah, so I would say it was for me it was a throwaway match, but I mean, uh, it just it, it's one of those ones. Just it it honestly didn't do a whole lot for me. See, and I I love the hell out of it, but then again, I'm I've kind of become a stardom nerd. So yes, I uh, really enjoy Joshi wrestling. I got to watch some stardom. It's been a while. It's good so, stuff. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Then next up we had, this was an interesting, I, I didn't really, the, the setup for this was kind of weird, but uh, we, we had Adam Page versus Jimmy Havoc, Jungle Boy, and MJF. And this all kind of stemmed from, I guess, some confusion about how the match was going to happen. And Page kept naming off uh, guys, and then it just kind of snowballed into, like, well, you're just kind of a match with all four of these guys. And uh, some really interesting, normally I don't like when there's more than three people in a match having uh, a match like that, but these guys, they they pull it off well, and it it doesn't feel WWE-esque at all. No, not at all. Um, Carl, if there's one thing that you're going to look at from this show, you have to find MJF's promo Mm -hmm. before this match. Awesome. Um, But it should have been on the pre-show. Yeah, I agree with that. It should have been on the pre-show, and he should have been going hard on the video game nerds. It's absolute money. Yeah. That would have hooked people into the main show, I think, if you would have placed it in that spot. When he let out with that whole... um, you know, I used to like video games too, and then <laughs> yes. I lost my virginity, and yeah. they cut her way to this crowd shot of this freaking guy. Yeah, that was perfect. It, it, yeah. it, it ranks right up there with uh, when Brock Lesnar beat The Undertaker yeah. and the black guy that they cut away to that everybody is memed. Yeah. Like, somebody needs to meme this guy because the look on his face. <laughs> his mom is going to be pissed that MJF said that. Priceless. Just priceless. <laughs> yep. And then going from that, I think uh, I'm going to call this probably my match of the of the evening here. And this is uh, the one guy in this match, actually my first exposure to him, unfortunately, because now I'm going to have to go watch some more of this guy. We had Cody versus Darby Allen. And, oh, incredible, incredible match. I have not seen any Darby Allen up until this point, but I was highly impressed. I mean, that this guy not only could keep up with Cody, but, I mean, just – he looks very. He has a very unique look. He's very. He moves very differently in the ring. Just it was. It was. It was interesting to, to watch him. Like it was like just interesting. He's evil Johnny Gargano. I was drawn in, man. And uh, I gotta say, there were a couple spots in this match here that I'm gonna point out that um, like I was like genuinely like frightened. Uh, there was one where he. This is apparently thanks to you, Jargo. Uh, you told me about this. This is apparently a regular spot that this nut job does, where he gets thrown <laughs> into this turnbuckle and goes between the top and middle turnbuckle and just basically just flies through and hits the floor. Uh, I thought the guy was dead. And then he does this coffin drop onto the onto the apron, kind of like PCO kind of style. Where I was like, "It's it's dude, like the trust fall." Oh man, my that god, Kobe Kingston does. Oh, it's brutal. <laughs> like. Man, and this guy used to be a skateboarder, which, I mean, I, I get it now because, I mean, those guys have a high pain threshold, and I, that's obviously where it comes from because that would kill most people. 
if you go back and watch <laughs> some of those old CKY Bam Margera videos mm-hmm. that were like all the rage, like you know, ten years ago, yeah, you'll you'll see a very very yep. young Darby Allen on his yep. skateboard. Um, I and I've been watching him since then. When he got into pro wrestling, yep. I was so intrigued because like I, I remember watching this kid and he's like skateboarding on like the roof of a two story house. Yeah. And he goes to jump from like the top part of the roof onto the bottom part of the roof. And the board goes out from underneath of him. And both of them just end up on the ground. And he's like sitting there laughing about it. Jesus. Like there, there's something very, very wrong yeah. with Darby Allen. But the thing is for a guy, his size, he moves very, very well. Yeah. All of his offense is very believable. And he hits a lot of it very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. But most of his matches are him just, selling his ass off he's evil johnny gargano no matter what you do to darby allen you can't seem to kill the kid yeah so yeah there's all this speculation about um i think i I worded it this way if i remember correctly that i don't think there's a need to bring in the actual cm punk they got their own version this guy with a bit of a twist there you know he he loves the straight edge lifestyle even he has the drug free thing tattoo in his hands just like punk and you know it, it um yeah, the guy is fantastic to watch. And, of course, this went to a, a time limit draw. And I, I love the way that that unfolded with just like that one second to go in, in the referee's hand coming down and I'll get into the three. And then probably the most controversial thing of the evening happened. Perfect 10, Ty Dillinger, or as we're calling him, Sean Spears now, comes out and hits Cody in the head. Unprotected. <laughs> gruesome gruesome and from what i've kind of heard you know from yourself jargo and other sources that this was supposed to happen that the chair shot but wasn't supposed to cut him that there wasn't supposed to cut him at all right it was a gimmicked chair yeah and and my understanding is what happened and if you when you watch the footage so the chair bends like the chair gives like it's supposed to yeah. but the back of the chair the curved part of the chair clips cody yeah. in the back of the head and Cuts gashed him pretty open. damn good Oof. you know and i've gone on record saying that i think that you could have had the exact same effect in the storyline and everything if you would have just whacked him in the shoulder or in the back yep. or something like that you didn't have to go unprotected on the head I, I know that old school wrestling fans like that and dig that but i think that it just they didn't need to go quite that far, and of course, obviously, as we saw, you know, the element of danger was is there, and then we saw, unfortunately, you know, that happen. That they just didn't need to go that far. I did enjoy the improv uh, after the chair shot, though, where you see the locker room empties out in support of Cody. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's, you know, given Sean Spears the evil eye. They go to commentary. Commentary has nothing to throw to because this is all on the fly. And this is a very, very serious situation, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And like it, it was handled very, very well. Um, I think there's a lot of people that are saying there's no way that Cody didn't get a concussion out of this thing. Um, yeah, I think it's a good thing that the chair was gimmicked because you can see the chair break, mm-hmm. right? Like the, the chair breaks the way it's supposed to. It's the back of the chair that actually caused the cut that resulted in 12 freaking stables. But I mean, no matter what, I, I don't care if the chair is gimmicked or not. We don't need unprotected chair shots to the head. In 2019, like you said, during the match, Darby Allen is working over Col- uh, Cody's left arm yep. the entire 
match. Everything is going into arm bars mm-hmm. and and all kinds of like crazy dragon screws to the shoulder and everything. Like, yep. just give me a chair shot to the left shoulder. It, it would have played into the story of the match. It was it was a completely unnecessary risk. I agree. What's your take on unprotected chair shots, Carl? Well, from what I saw, I mean that did actually look pretty devastating. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been I've been hitting the head with chairs. I've been hitting the head with kendo sticks. I've been hitting the head with two by fours. I've been hitting the head with tables, uh, stop signs, even like anything that you can think of. I've been hitting the head with, but I always protected myself, mm-hmm. and in in just the slightest way that that had the fans going, "Holy crap! Did he actually just take that, or or what?" Right, and I think that in this type of a situation, that that could have happened if they wanted something to look devastating as it did. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's unfortunate that that happened because you're you're saying now, like, oh, it, it didn't need to happen, and and unprotected chair shot, and oh, he got cut open, and oh, this is super bad. But mm-hmm. had it gone perfectly, I think everybody would have a different total story to it and go holy crap, this has just set something up, right? now. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think there would still be an outrage for an unprotected chair shot in 2019, mm-hmm. knowing what we know about concussion protocol and CTE. I, I have enough faith in wrestling fans there would still be this outrage, even if the chair Absolutely. shot would have went exactly the way it was supposed to. That's that's good. And you know what? I, I fully agree. I, I don't think that unprotected chair shots are needed everybody knows how to protect themselves who who has wrestled everybody knows how to protect (laughs) themselves for a chair shot to the head they know how to do it why it wasn't done i don't know but yeah i honestly from seeing everything that i saw i think that going with even taking taking the uh the chair and doing the shot into the gut and then across the back would have had more effect than an unprotected shot to the head. Yeah. So going from that to pretty team match that we had here, I'm uh, pulling it back up here. We had the Elite, which is, of course, uh, Kenny Omega and Mac and Nick uh, Jackson versus the Lucha Bros and the Laredo Kid, who I haven't uh, seen much of either, so it was uh, kind of cool to see him. It was really interesting, uh, the uh, the entrance to this, and I, I think this is a good example of a, of a promotion you know, especially specific to this show, knowing their audience coming out to uh, Mad Nick came out dressed in Street Fighter kind of attire, which I mean, of course, fits right into what we're dealing with here. So a great example of um, them knowing their audience and, and catering to that. And just a, a, a really great by the, you know, just lots of great spots in this match, you know, just a, a good six man tag match. It's a Lucha six-man tag. Like, if this would have happened on AAA, this would have been a AAA main event at any show that they would have done. If you like Lucha wrestling, awesome. If you don't like Lucha wrestling, there's a lot of other stuff on this show that chances are that you'll like. Yep, absolutely. So, which actually we're, we're getting to next here. And I love the way that they set this up, at least for myself here. Because essentially this six-man tag match was the main event. And then Justin Roberts came in the middle of the ring and said, okay, you know, that the main part of the show is, is over now. 
Now we're going to do this unsanctioned match. And I, I love that they actually present it in that manner because typically, you know, at least in the last little while with WWE, that this kind of thing would be put somewhere in the mid card or something. And they wouldn't hardly even address that it's an unsanctioned match or anything like that. I love the approach there to actually draw the attention to that and actually, you know, okay, this is a match. Uh, you know, this isn't supposed to happen and there's no rules or anything like that. Just I love the whole approach to it. Having said that, though, I mean, uh, pretty nuts here. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it was John Moxley versus Joey Janela here. And, you know, say what you will about, I know a lot of people aren't Joey Janela fans. I mean, dude, you got to respect the the spots and the stuff this guy went through in this match. It was crazy. I enjoyed me some Joey Janela. Uh, Carl, have you ever done a death match? No, I have not. Thankfully not, because you probably would be here to I tell us about it. <laughs> I, I limited myself. Um, I mean, like, I would do hardcore. I was known as the extreme Canadian. Mm-hmm. But going as far as death matches just was not something that I appealed to. Now, don't get me wrong. I have done, like, matches with barbed wire. And I have done matches mm-hmm. with, you know, a uh, baseball bat that's got barbed wire around it, right? Yeah. Stuff, stuff like that. But tax, definitely. Uh, but never have I gone to the extent of like glass shards yeah. or those stupid freaking light tubes. Never have I no. done anything like that. Having said that, then, since you've dealt with thumbtacks, have you ever been thrown almost essentially standing feet first into thumbtacks? Barefoot. My, my bare feet have never been in thumbtacks. Well, that's what Joey Janela went through, thanks to John Moxley. I noticed that on the little video package that I saw. <laughs> Crazy, man. And Crazy. you know what? Good good for him. Um, I have never heard blood curling screaming like that in quite a while. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I wish I could find the audio. I almost kind of inserted here. It was like, ah! You know, like, nuts. I, I had mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, some of my friends that were down at, the, uh, at, at work with me there talking about things. And uh, this was one of the other matches that they said you definitely oh, have yeah. to see. Um, one of my friends though, was kind of like, you know what, like, and I'm hearing this from a lot of people online. I mean, you've got a lot of people that are hating on Joey Janela. You got people that are loving Joey Janela. This, this friend is a, not a a Janela hater or not a Janela lover. He is more of just a kind of neutral saying he's good, but like a mid card level good. I don't see him going anywhere. Uh, you know, main event type of status. Um, that could definitely change. Definitely yeah. it could change. Mm. But I need to to really watch myself some more Joey Janela to really make a educated mm. opinion on it. But there's always going to be room for guys in the middle. That's the thing that I always tell some wrestling fans I hear that that get pissed off and their guy doesn't get pushed all the way to the top. That, that there's there's a way that that, that this has got to be. You you got your main event talent. Okay, you, you've got the people at the bottom who who can't seem to, to get a fair shake, and you have your people in between. Not everybody can be a winner and be on top. There there has to be these different levels here, and he's gonna he's I'd be perfectly fine with him being in that middle and still putting on kick ass matches. I have no problem with that. For me, Joey Janela is he's definitely an acquired taste, mm-hmm. right? Okay, but. As I watch Joey Janela, he reminds me so much of like a 1995, 1996 Chris Jericho. Yeah, I agree. Like 
I see the charisma there. I see the talking ability there. I I see where his character can evolve from where it is now. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is that main event talent inside of Joey Janela 10 years from now. If but, he lives that long, <laughs> yeah, because he likes to, he's punching <laughs> he's punching that bump car really fast. But right. having said that, now question for you guys because he does have the beautiful Penelope Ford with him. Is there any no, way that not the, anymore? Not anymore. Not anymore. She's gone, man. They 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 have split up, and Damn evidently it. she's with uh, Kip Sabian now. I, I just oh, found okay. this out like earlier today. Well, that ruins my theory because I was going to say, you know, is there a way that they could use her to maybe try and elevate him anymore? But uh, that's out the window now. Bastards, savages. I I, I find it hilarious <laughs> that like, and it like I don't necessarily want to say that this was a death match, but there was definitely those elements brought into this thing. And obviously, given both of these guys' previous histories with CZW. It was interesting to see how far they would push the envelope inside of this match. I thought it was interesting that in the post-show media scrum with Tony Khan, Mm -hmm. he was asked if this was going to be part of the show, and he informed the media that, I don't know what you're talking about. That wasn't even part of this show. What part of unsanctioned are you not understanding? (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so going from AEW now, we're going to talk a little bit of WWE. Now, this is probably one of the more ridiculous kind of things that I've seen kind of recently, and I almost pissed myself when I saw this. Seth Rollins claiming that WWE is the best wrestling on the planet, and Osprey, Will Osprey, basically putting him in a spot to make him look like a fool. I thought that was great. Carl, what what do you think of this? <laughs> This is simply a classic case of you work for me. You need to say something because right now you're the top guy of the company. Yeah. We need you to go out there and build this brand. I think that's exactly what it was. I don't think that Seth Rollins believes a word that he said. <laughs> I hope not. Oh. I I agree with a lot of that. I think the other thing is what I'm looking at on my television right now with Monday Night Raw in the background, and I see Becky Lynch standing there with Seth Rollins, and I think to myself, Becky Lynch sat Seth down and said, you really need to step up your social media game, and he opened his big fat mouth and just shoved his wrestling boot right down his damn throat, and he got owned by like the fifth, or six important guy on the New Japan card. That's yeah. how this came off to me. Yeah, yeah. It just it, it's it just comes off just as just he got owned by Will Ospreay. Yeah, he got owned by their junior champion. Like, he's yeah. not even going that Okada yeah. here. Yeah. He's going at the junior champion. Yeah. Like no disrespect to Will Ospreay, but yeah. dude, this is punching down for the WWE and Seth Rollins. It, it reminded me a little bit too of the, the Roman Reigns and Tomatonga kind of scenario too, where he just you, know, you, you had Tom just respond and just buried Roman's ass too. Uh, you know, I go back. I actually have to find that again because he made him look like a fool too. But uh, that's why I'm not a big fan of all this business being done on, on social media, especially, you know, when it starts crossing boundaries with promotions and stuff like that. I think it just, it, uh, I don't know, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I don't think that uh, you need to go there. 
I, I think WWE talent in particular needs to be very, very careful because they're so limited mm-hmm. in what they can say. Like Seth Rollins can't go hard at Will Ospreay. And mm-hmm. I know that, and you know that, and Carl knows that. But mm-hmm. the mass amount of people that are following Seth Rollins on Twitter don't realize that Seth Rollins can't come back and be like, listen here, you whiny little bitch. Yeah. Like he just, he can't do that. He's the champion for a publicly traded company. Yeah. And these New Japan guys, the second you acknowledge them, they can come at you with everything, yeah. man, because they ain't got nothing to lose. They're yeah. not going to get fired for calling Seth Rollins out. No. So in that respect, to me, then, it's just like, why even go there then, right? Why? 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 That was the poke WWE and prod the beast there forever. They never yeah. even acknowledged other promotions. Yep. <clears throat> but we live in the day of social media, and you know it, it would be cool if there'd be some kind of payoff or or something with this. But I mean, obviously, we're not going to see a match between Seth Rollins and Will Ospreay because, well, you know, we the can't. The solution is Seth Rollins. Give your phone to your girlfriend yeah. and say, "Honey, will you handle my Twitter business yeah. for me?" Yes, <laughs> Seth. <laughs> Probably a good idea. Yeah. So a little bit more WWE stuff. Of course, we're watching, uh, well, kind of watching. I've got Rock having the background and Jargo does as well. I don't know if Carl does either, but uh, there's this plan. Now, I think that they're implementing it this week, if I'm not mistaken, of doing this deal of where, okay, we're not going to have commercials during matches anymore. How do you even pull this off logistically? Now, now you're somebody that kind of works production-wise and everything, uh, Jargo. How, how do you even execute this? This is so easy. This is not hard. Mm-hmm. When you watch a football game, do they cut away from the action in the middle of a drive? Nope. When, when you're watching a hockey game, do, do, do they just cut away and, and go to commercial break for five minutes? Nope. You just have the wrestling match. Yep. The wrestling match goes 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. After the wrestling match, you go to commercial. Yep. That's all you got to do. Like, this is not hard. They're trying to reinvent the wheel, and there's nothing wrong with the wheel. Yeah. Just, like, yeah. format your show right. Exactly. You know, and, and I mean, and, and for a company that's been doing television production for so long, this shouldn't even be a, really an issue. So to no, me, it's it's, it's, it's mind boggling that that uh, that this is almost kind of being presented like, oh, Vince has got this big vision. Uh, this is something really cool. It's like, dude, you should already have this down pat by now, <laughs> not just catching on to it now. What twenty five plus whatever years later? <laughs> the problem is that they, they they had this crazy idea years ago that if you go to a commercial in the middle of a match, what if somebody wins stay- during the commercial? Well, but here was the idea, though, that you would sit you know? through the commercial break to see the end of the match. Yeah. Like, that was the theory. Yeah. And it was stupid then. And we've been doing it for years, yeah. so much so that now they literally have no idea how to format a freaking TV show. Thank God we have Eric Bischoff coming in, an yes. executive producer, mm-hmm. who can sit them down and say, this is how you format this. Yeah. It's like I just said, what's to say that during the commercial break, you know, let's say if it's directly, it's intercontinental title match. What if there's a pinfall and the guy wins during the commercial break? What are they? they come back and they say, well, during the commercial break, blah, 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 and so-and-so won. I'm like, oh, good. Thanks for going to the commercial, ass. You know, like, you know. I had to, I had to censor myself there because I almost dropped one there. <clears throat> Maybe I'm missing something here, but um, I know that... 
like I know that this whole thing has been talked about and that they're doing this and whatever. And I've seen some different stuff on YouTube that, uh, you know, like they're doing little things with the kids and stuff during commercial breaks in the live audience. Now, is there a match that's going on and then they stop the match halfway through and give them a break? While the commercial's going on? Well, now what the thing is, is they're obsessed with two out of three falls matches. They can't do that with every match, though. In between the falls. Mm. (coughs) Like on SmackDown last week, we had two two out of three falls matches. I've already Mm. seen one on Raw tonight. Like we're going out of our way to avoid going to commercial break during a match. This is not hard. You just you backload the half hour with commercials and that's where you put in promos and vignettes and you do two or three commercial breaks in a span of about 10 minutes. Like this is very commonplace when it comes to halftime, you get three minutes of airtime and then you get a four minute commercial break. This is, this is not hard. Yep. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, the, the the going with all these two out of three falls match. Uh, I'm definitely not a fan of that. Like you, uh, the, they used to be able to get this right. I don't understand. It, it's the it's it's like we've taken so many steps backwards now, and now it's like they're trying to fix it, and they're they're trying to pat themselves in the back, and at the same time go, oh look how innovative and cool we are now. Oh, I don't know. I don't like. Holy it. cow! We just went 12 minutes without a commercial break. <laughs> Hooray! Uh huh. Like every other TV show on the face of the planet. Yeah. <laughs> well, having said that, because we already hinted at it, Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff coming back to the company. Now, is this the magical fix, or is this just, um, you know, is this more of, is this just the storyline thing, or you know, you know, I, I like to think that you know, especially like you said, Eric Bischoff could really, really help things here. But is this more kind of just like a storyline? Okay, we're going to show you that this is kind of going on, but is is Vince still got all the power going on here? Well, the report is that they both still answer to Vince McMahon, so does anything really change? Carl, go ahead. If that's the case. (laughs) Nothing in this changes then if Vince McMahon still has the final say. I think he needs to kind of let go of the reins a little bit. I understand that these two guys were your competitor at one time and that they almost, one of them at least, almost beat you in the game. We understand that. We get it. Maybe you need to take a little bit of the expertise that these guys have and let them run things for a little bit to take some pressure off of yourself being Vince McMahon. Because we all know he's going 2020 XFL starting up again. He's going to be dedicating a lot more time to that. Mm. How much is the product going to suffer if he's putting all his efforts towards something else? Is this possibly a way that he is kind of trying to groom these guys into his thinking to assist him when he's busy doing other projects. I think so. And to, to kind of link this actually to the next topic, because it ties right into it here. Is this possibly because there's word that Fox has not been impressed with uh, the WWE programming going into this Fox deal. Now, is this kind of a knee jerk kind of reaction to, oh, okay, uh, now we let's bring Paul and Eric in to try and write the ship here. 
I think it's all wind, window dressing. Um, yeah. I, I think it's this very is possible. Uh, if this was real, if Vince McMahon was taking a step back mm-hmm. and, and was going to lighten the reins on creative, do you really think he would turn to Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman to, to come in and run things? Like you had hinted at there, I would have thought that Hunter would, or that uh, Paul, exactly. or whatever you want to call him, would have been the next one in line, correct? Exactly. I, if this was a real change inside the company, this would be Triple H. This wouldn't be Paul thought, Heyman, yeah. who, who's already working backstage on creative, and, mm-hmm. and that's well documented, and it, or Eric Bischoff. I think this very well could be a promotion for Paul Heyman inside of his creative position. Yep. Um, as, as far as Eric Bischoff goes, I think it absolutely ties into this next story that you have here, Joe, with um, the Fox executives being unhappy. Yeah. One of the things that Eric Bischoff is fantastic at is talking to network executives. This is what Eric Bischoff does. This is literally what he's been doing in all of his years since he left the pro wrestling business. He's, he's pitched television shows to network executives. They just don't happen to have anything to do with wrestling, so none of us are talking about it. Yeah. I think that's really what Bischoff has been br- brought in for, is to be that liaison between the Fox network and the WWE. That's a very good point. I, I don't think I can disagree with you on that. So it seems as though the WWE and Vince McMahon is just giving us a bunch of uh, smoke and mirrors when it comes to this whole thing and just kind of making everyone believe that things are going to change when, in fact, we could just be sitting at the exact same stuff. It, it, I mean, to me, it's the thing, like, like Heyman's mm. been working backstage and creative for for months now. Mm-hmm. Like going back to like last August, right? Yeah. So if you liked the build with Becky Lynch, Charlotte, and Ronda Rousey going into WrestleMania, that's Paul Heyman's work. Now the thing is, it's Vince McMahon's booking. It's still Vince McMahon's decision to say, "Okay, Paul, I need you to write this, 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 and that." And if the idea is shit to begin with, Paul Heyman can only make it smell so freaking good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and could it almost be kind of like almost like a placebo effect and we're bringing Eric and Paul in and it's going to it's going to look all fine and dandy and people are just going to be like, "Well, these guys are, are here, so now now it's automatically good." Uh, I think it almost could have that kind of effect. Now these guys are here, oh, now now, now things are actually good even though below the surface it's still the same old stuff. Uh by the way, uh, in case you missed it because you didn't have the sound on, Corey Graves actually said, holy shit, earlier on Monday Night Raw. Mm-hmm. So if it's in WWE vernacular, I assume that I can use it on Canadian podcast. Well, interesting because um, actually if you listen to Canadian radio, which I'm assuming you haven't, that um, there are actually during certain times of the day, they, that's actually one of the only swears that they actually allow on the air and it doesn't get bleeped during certain times. So... Yeah. I've never listened to Canadian radio, but I do enjoy uh, Kenny versus Spenny. Well, there you go. I, I did enjoy that show. Uh, wasn't that just two guys just beating the crap out of each other all the time, essentially? Yeah, it was It was rather entertaining. It's basically like wrestling, so it still works. So going from that to kind of an interesting topic here before we go to our showstopper segment, and this all kind of stemmed from a really interesting conversation that we actually have with our guest that I had with our guest today uh, with Jargo here uh, through a Facebook chat. And we were kind of talking 
about how today there's not really that one kind of awe-inspiring wrestling figure that we, we watch or we go that really kind of we get that wow kind of moment from because you know a little while ago of course i had mentioned that uh, you know i'd finally gotten to watch the honor of the giant uh hbo documentary which again you know if you haven't a chance to watch that go watch that that there to me whenever i see anything involving him now or whether i go back and watch that or if i happen to see something on facebook or youtube about it i'm immediately drawn back in it's like andre was just this wow kind of figure and i'm just it got me to thinking just to now they're just in professional wrestling there just isn't that kind of character there that one to really kind of inspire awe in the viewer that it, i don't think that there's anyone around that does that still to this day carl are you kidding me? Have you not seen Roman Reigns? <laughs> Come on! Oh, <laughs> uh, you're right though. At this point, there is not. And I don't see any. I don't think I even see anybody that you could even get up to that level. I, I would just like to point out that I'm laughing for two reasons. Number one, I'm laughing at that comment. And number two, I'm laughing at the fact that Becky Lynch just tapped out Mike Kanellis with the worst looking arm bar I've ever seen in my life. Mm. Wow. So double whammy oh, there. <laughs> uh, that, that was pretty funny. That was pretty yeah. funny. Yeah, like I said, you know, all of all these years later, Andre the Giant, we still talk about him and he still inspires awe in uh, the, the true wrestling fan. To this day, I mean... We ended up, I think I ended up talking to you for like, what, like 45 minutes on Andre the Giant, just like out of nowhere. You know, I, <laughs> I, I've kind of thought about this. And I, I have the same with Carl, too, occasionally. I, I, I thought about this quite a bit the last couple of days. Yeah. And when I think of it in like a, a modern context, yeah. like the closest thing that I can come up with, at least for me, is Minoru Suzuki. Like there is just something about Suzuki and his history that like, I look under my bed for Minoru Suzuki. That guy is freaking terrifying. Well, like, and, and he crosses I, genres too, all, right? So it's, it, it's all bullshit. But I like, I just, every time I watch a Suzuki match, you, you got to wonder just a little bit. Did that motherfucker just snap? <laughs> like, is he really making this dude tap out? Because in shoot fights, I've seen Minoru Suzuki tap out Ken Shamrock twice. Yeah. Like this is a bad freaking dude. And I'm just waiting for that one guy who actually pisses off Suzuki during a match. And like Suzuki snaps and just like freaks out on the dude and murders him. Yeah. I think Andre could have been possibly the last person to be able to dictate kind of what happens in a match like that. Well, I mean, Taker was that person, right? I mean, to a certain extent, but I don't think that he ever legacy just eroded so much in the last yes. like five years it, that we just we don't even think of him in that context anymore. For me, yes, and I, I think Undertaker possibly could have been somebody to maybe reach that level, but I think you know just from WrestleMania, I'll go WrestleMania thirty up until now. Just that I don't say that the legacy has been tarnished necessarily, but that whole aura and the mystique has just been steadily declining, and. You know, Andre got to go essentially on top. You know, yeah, things were kind of declining there, but uh, but he never really had. He didn't have that chance, or he, he never got to that point to where okay, now he's just kind of going through the motions in the in the ring, you know, and sullied his career. You know, he essentially went on top. 
I was going down the New Japan rabbit hole the other day. They put up this new list on New Japan World, the history of New Japan Pro Wrestling, with a bunch of links to like individual matches. And you go back to like the late 70s, and there's a whole bunch of Andre the Giant versus Antonio Inoki. And like you you can just click on it and watch it. Man, I went down the rabbit hole the other day. It was a it was a really really good day. (laughs) I need to go check those out. I didn't even know those existed. Good stuff. All right, guys, we're going to take a bit of a break here, and we're going to come back with our showstopper segment for this week. And this one's a bit of a doozy. It's a, it's a pretty broad, pretty big topic that I've been meaning to kind of get to for a while, and I have two people to talk to about uh, this week. So I'm looking forward to that, and we'll be right back, guys. Independent contractors in the professional wrestling industry, if you're looking for a way to put the power of the media in your own hands, contact Pinned LLC. Pinned LLC is media and marketing for the professional wrestling industry. It's your one-stop, one-click online profile and so much more. With Pinned, you'll receive a full background story, photo gallery, an interview conducted with you, links to all your social media and where you can be booked, and yes, a 60-second custom television commercial all about you. Get more info today. Email pin.biz at gmail.com. That's pin.biz at gmail.com. Or click the icon at thegorillaposition.com to get more info about PIN. Remember, get connected, get booked, get PIN. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Carl Carafel, former professional wrestler in the Northern Ontario and Michigan region. Thank you for stopping by and listening to Turnbuckle Talk. We can be found on social media at TV Talk Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are happy to be part of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as the Roar Network, as presented by TheGorillaPosition.com. All right, guys, Big Joe and Carl Carafel, and from the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, Jargo, back here on Turnbuckle Talk. I love that I've become like Prince. Hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm just Jargo now. Yep. Like, I don't even need another like share. name. Share. Just one word. Yeah. Jargo. I, I, sting. Yes. Those are Both good, of them. Those are good names to be associated with. <laughs> Both of them. Right? Love it. <laughs> All right, Carl. Jorgo, showstopper segment for this week here. This is an interesting one and a very broad topic here. I'm really curious to see what will come out of this conversation here. And this is could, and this is a purely theoretical, keep this in mind, folks. Could professional wrestling survive without the WWE? Let's start with you, Carl. I will give a very quick and definitive answer to that question. Could professional wrestling survive without world wrestling entertainment? Yes, I think that it definitely could. Given the amount of other smaller promotions that we technically have around right now, whether it be over in Japan, whether it be in China, whether it be in uh, the Philippines, whether it be in Germany, whether it be in North America, in the U.S., in Canada, no matter where, there will always be professional wrestling available in some aspect. And given the amount of social media that is available today, including Snapchat, including Instagram, so you can now do like Instagram TV, you've got Twitch, you've got YouTube, all of those avenues are available. 
yes, I think professional wrestling could survive without the WWE. What about you, Jargo? Well, well, what what do you think, Joe? Well, give me give me your opinion before I give you mine. I think that the the wording in the question, I think, is is really telling. As usually things are when we're uh, getting into these kind of discussions, we're talking: can professional wrestling survive with the, the WWE? And I would definitely agree with Carl that professional wrestling absolutely definitely could, just because we have so many great and competitive alternatives. You know, we have New Japan, we have Ring of Honor, we have now AEW. You know, we have all the more than a handful of promotions over in the UK, which are all doing very well and prospering. In Australia, you know, with a friend of yours, Craven, uh, down there in, in Australia, Jargo, tons of promotions there. I mean, wrestling is thriving and, and doing very well. There's still this, I think, this idea that that we're still kind of living in this WWE bubble. That, that this is still the only kind of thing around, and it is very much not the case anymore. And I'm really of, of the belief that if the WWE, God forbid, if it were to, you know, if, if something happened where the, the company folded, you know, I, I think that the industry w- could still thrive without that. Now, sports entertainment, on, on the other hand, you know. WWE is really the only ones doing what we would kind of coin sports entertainment. If that died, then sports entertainment would die, but professional wrestling will always live on. Yep. And I, I think that's the, the right answer to the question. Uh, could professional wrestling survive the WWE? It has, mm-hmm. and it has since 2001 when the WWE became the only major league promotion in town. It, uh, in the meantime, it's been underground. You know, it, it went back to grassroots pro wrestling 101. Yeah. And now here we are almost 20 years later and we're seeing it finally come to fruition. Those kids that were doing the backyard wrestling stuff. Yeah. They run AEW now. <laughs> and, 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 I mean, honestly, that's how the young bucks started, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and even going back further, that's how Mick Foley started. The guy started off by diving up off of his roof onto onto uh, onto mattresses and stuff, you know. And uh, yeah, these uh, some of these hardcore nut kids are yeah, they're running the show now. I mean, it's really amazing it, to me. Not necessarily two thousand one, but yeah. it, it, especially it's Canada Day, right? So so we can talk about famous Canadians. Yep. Ever since the Chris Benoit thing happened. Mm. Um, that's when WWE went really, really PG. We went really, really heavy on the John Cena and understandably so. Mm -hmm. All right. They're a publicly traded company. They had a reputation that they had to completely rebuild. We can question whether it was for the betterment of the company or not. Financial figures say yes. Actual figures say no. When you look at attendance and television ratings and actual interest in the company, Pro wrestling will survive without the WWE. It's done just fine since Mm -hmm. that period. You know, that's when we saw Ring of Honor. That's when we saw TNA was at their peak. Now we're seeing the rise of AEW. It's it's like the cycle where things just happen, man. It's just that we hope AEW becomes a lot more WCW than it was TNA and and how short lived that company really was. Yeah, that's a, a great way to, to word it. You know, and right now, 
you know, with WWE, it, it does seem like, you know, at least they're trying to mix it. You know, like I said, we've been saying throughout the episode, we've been kind of watching it kind of in the background as we're recording here. It does seem like they're, that they're trying to experiment. And, uh, but yet there's still kind of some weird stuff kind of going on at the same time, you know, so there's an attempt to kind of fix things there. But, um, you know, when it comes to sports entertainment, I got to say that in the bigger scope of things, I am a little worried you know, that uh, it could eventually go away, but professional wrestling will always be there. And even now, uh, I mentioned them with the Ring of Honor, and uh, the NWA seems to be really partnering up with them now. We're seeing a lot of NWA stuff infiltrating into Ring of Honor, which I find really interesting, you know, given that there was a big dump of talent out of Ring of Honor when this whole, uh, you know, all-in and all-elite stuff started to happen. So, you know, we could see some uh, interesting uh, partnerships certainly happen there because we know things always things are kind of on the rocks with uh, Ring of Honor New Japan as well. So, you know, it's always good to form other new partnerships just in case that stuff doesn't work out, you know. So I will give some Ring of Honor some props there that they're uh, – doing some interesting stuff there but you know still at the same time they're having issues so i mean um there's no perfect world out there but uh lots of good professionals also mlw has basically returned from the dead (laughs) impact wrestling by all accounts is moving to mr mark cuban's network instead of the pursuit channel so that's a, a huge step for impact wrestling yep. so it, pro wrestling is it's always been there man and stevie richards ben hameen over at hackerhameen.podbean.com fridays in the locker room yep. they'll be the first ones to tell you it's the carny business mm-hmm. it's like the music business you know it's, you get all these record labels and they blow up in the early 2000s and now that bubble has kind of burst and you're starting to see the underground music scene start to kind of crumble again. And then you're hearing some rumblings over here and maybe some rumblings over there. And the next thing you know, you see a big underground scene happens again, you know, and that's kind of where pro wrestling is right now. It's just the underground is now becoming mainstream with all elite wrestling. And like you heard at the beginning of the episode too, I mentioned Wrestle Circus, a promotion I barely even knew about, you know, and saw the stomping grounds thing was giving me, I was like, nope, ain't doing that. And then, you know, found that this show was on, turned on, and then I had a great time, you know, so it's a, it's a great time to be a professional wrestling fan, to be a fan of sports entertainment. It's frustrating to say the very least. Yeah. I think it's about the best yeah. way I can put it. Would you guys agree? Oh, I, I, I completely agree. But it, it is nice to see WWE at least attempting, attempting to do something because it's been so long that they've been the only game in town that they've just gotten by with this lack of goal. We don't really need to cater to the fans because the fans don't really matter. All of our money is coming from TV yeah. contracts and Saudi blood money, and it doesn't matter if anybody's watching the show or not. Well, now there's legit competition once again, and we're seeing the rise of New Japan. We've got Impact Wrestling, MLW, everything that's going on inside the pro wrestling scene, and WWE's feeling it to the point where most of the diehard fans have turned against them. All that's left is the casual viewers. So you're seeing this huge influx of TV ratings where they're up this week, they're down this week because, oh, well, Donald Trump was talking on that Tuesday, so SmackDown ratings went down 500,000 people. Like, that's how casual their viewers have become. And to kind of put it into perspective for you, we're getting close to SummerSlam. I I won't say that I'm not interested in SummerSlam at all, but the big things that are on my radar right now 
are at SummerSlam. It's the G1, and it's um, it's All Out and uh, Fight for the Fallen. Those are the main ones that are on my radar, especially the G1. SummerSlam, it's like it's an afterthought. I'll watch it if I get a chance to. Because I haven't More heard anything really about we're that. We're getting closer to NFL season, and then <clears> what <throat> happens? With the ratings already already in the toilet, yep. what happens when Monday Night Football starts back up? Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens. It, it, SummerSlam is happening just down the road for me, literally. Like I'm, I'm like probably an hour and a half away, and I have no desire to go watch it. You know, Takeover would be cool to see, but uh, you know, I'm I'm more likely going to go see probably the Ring of Honor. So it's coming in late August. I'm, I'm more likely to probably go to that. To be perf- I feel honest. like NXT is even starting to suffer though, it, because yes, there's like- a trickle down effect that's definitely happening. People yeah. people are starting to realize that there's no point in investing in these characters in NXT because they're just going to go to shit as soon as they get to Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. So why do I even bother to care about what's happening on Wednesday? Yep, that's hard to disagree with you, and it's definitely starting to happen. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that about wraps up for this episode. But before we go on this Canada Day here, again, thanks to uh, Jargo from America for coming on the show today. Much appreciated. Let us talk about our sponsors before we head off. We have now three amazing sponsors for us. First off, our newest, if you live in the Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario area, please make sure that you go and check out Silly Rabbit Vape Shop down on Queen Street, Sault Ste. Marie. Tell them that Big Joe and Carl Carafel from Turnbuckle Talk sent you in there and they will give you a discount on juice and hardware for your vape. Sticking with the vape theme, let's talk about HypeCityVapors.com. Go and check them out for some amazing flavored e-juice. Use promo code JKPODCAST and get 15% off your entire order. And we cannot forget about our friends over at CollarAndElbowBrand.com, founded by Al Snow. That's right, former professional wrestler and current owner of OVW, Al Snow created this brand for us. I am not sporting my hat today, but I am sporting my Collar and Elbow Canada shirt for Canada Day. Thank you to Collar and Elbow Brand for everything that you do for us. Use our promo code JKPODCAST. Get 10% off your entire purchase, including any clearance to merchandise. Absolutely. And of course, to listen to the podcast, you can find us on Podbean, on Google Play Music, on iTunes, and all, of course, all those other podcatchers out there. And of course, we are powered by thegrillposition.com and a proud part of the Roar Network and presented by the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast Network as well. Now, before we do go, if um, for those of you who may be new to, to the podcast, Jargo, tell us a little bit more about uh, what you do outside of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. That's that's pretty much all I do. It has consumed my life yes. at this point. Um, between the Hitting the Marks Podcast Network as well as the Locker Room Mondays, HackerHameen.Podbean.com. Tuesdays, HTM Sports with myself and my favorite Huckleberry, Rick Vickery, at twitch.tv backslash Hitting the Marks. We do the show live and video there. And then the audio is uploaded to the HTM Podcast Network, available at hittingthemarks.com search hitting the marks on your favorite podcast listening device you can find me across all social media platforms at not jargo although chances are 
I'm not going to talk to you. I have so many weird people hit me up these days, man. Strange people. And it's like, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm, just, I'm not going to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. I'm too busy watching wrestling. Absolutely. And, and since in the background, uh, there was a, a match with Carmella. If she would have won, I was thinking about playing a seven-second dance break. But since she didn't win, we are we are going to forego that, thankfully. Blocked. Blocked. All right, guys. Blocked. <laughs> that wraps up for this week. We will see you guys on the next one. See you real soon. Blocked. It's me, it's me. It's an honor to be the beat. As you can tell in the background, we are out celebrating. That is what we do here at HittingTheMarks.com. And I invite everyone to continue to tune in to Turnbuckle Talk. But check out all of our other shows. We have content, especially led up by the flagship show, Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. You can find that all at HittingTheMarks.com. Run.